Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Like me, y'all are probably exhausted by all the election drama going on right now. So today's episode is meant to be a nice little reprieve from all that. Today we have on the show the artist Elowen, who you may know from the beautiful watercolors that you've seen on Instagram. Elowen is a Fresno-based artist and has many thoughts not only about art, but about Fresno, as well as the creative economy and how that world works. I loved this conversation, and art is a topic that I don't rarely, or I rarely get to dig into. Um, so I absolutely loved this conversation. Let's go meet Elowen, and Baker will take us there. Fresno's back! So, Elowen, uh, where do you like to eat in Fresno? I love Annex Kitchen. It's my favorite restaurant in town. And I actually just moved like five minutes away from there now. And I just, I'm obsessed with Annex. I also like Heirloom. And um, yeah, those are like my two favorite restaurants in Fresno. And they're both uh, locally owned. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love Annex Kitchen too. Although I've struggled um, I love everything they do, uh, but mm-hmm. I've struggled with the to-go annex kitchen because it's just not the same for uh, me, at least. For me, at least, like because I, I haven't live, tried I, it. I live a ways, and so like I'll get like a pizza or something, and by the time I get home, it's like it's not like you know because that's the thing about annex kitchen. It's like when when it's fresh out of that like brick oven or whatever. Yeah, just, like there's nothing that can beat it. But, yeah, totally. But I think it's you know some of these restaurants. They haven't totally mastered the to-go order because that's just not their business model. Right. Um, and so, I, yeah. And Heirloom, for me, they have mastered everything. They are oh, so yeah. good at to-go orders. Or so. It's just they, they're an amazing place. What do you like to order at Heirloom? Everything. I've never had anything I didn't like at Heirloom. I love everything there. My favorite thing is their burrata appetizer they have. It's like a log of burrata and then like marinara sauce and bread is so good i have had that it's a kind of it's a it's like it's such an interesting concept of a dish because i haven't i haven't really saw like marinara and barat like mixed like in a dipping context yeah that's such a cool concept i what do you think about their uh their cauliflower stuff the call for me the cauliflower cashew appetizer is like my highlight like when i bring people i'm just like you got to try this because it's 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 so different and Mm -hmm. i yeah, I I just feel like at Heirloom in particular, everything is crafted so well. You can kind of feel like it's very intentional. Yeah. Uh, so. I've only tried the cauliflower off of my boyfriend's plate because I would never order cauliflower because it's just a little too healthy for my taste. <laughs> I like um, meat and I like cheese and like carbs and stuff, but um, it was either him or someone else let me try it and it was like super sweet and good. So I would definitely order it actually. It's, I have never had anything I didn't like there. Also, their cocktails are amazing. Um, everything just, yeah, what you said, like, it's so fresh. And it tastes like farm to table. But it's also, like, great to go. And it's not super fancy and intimidating. It's, like, Absolutely. the perfect restaurant. Yeah. And I love, I love that. <laughs> I have, you're one of the first people to give me that, like, that real of an answer. Like, I love carbs and meat and cheese and oh. things. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, because... I feel like we're so like careful these days about how we talk, but you know, secretly we all just love those things, but we don't, yeah, you know, for I mean, some reason, like don't like to say them out loud. It's you know unethical I mean? for sure. We have some, I mean, you have to kind of just deal with the <laughs> ethics of eating meat in these days. I mean, it's really bad for the environment, but I, I used to be vegetarian. I used to be vegetarian from when I was about 14 till 19 years old 18 ish so four years i guess and um i guess i just hadn't had really good seasoned meat because i didn't miss it in that time and i think it's because i was so used to white people seasoning in my family and it's like not as enticing as like when someone can really cook meat and like it once i started eating like tacos again i was like i'm never going vegetarian again like i just can't do it 
Yeah, you know, and it's part of me thinks like, and this is when I get really uh, dark, uh, like, you know, that the world's coming to an end and we might as well enjoy that one last steak one more time, (laughs) you know, and I, you know, life, man. Yeah. So my method for the longest time has been uh, VB six, which is some, uh, it's a, it's a thing that I advocate. So it's called, it's a diet called vegan before six. And so basically in the morning, like I have like, you know, like a fruit smoothie or whatever. And for lunch I have a salad. Um, And so like, I've been like good, you know, quote unquote ethical or good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but then at dinner time, all bets are off, you know? Uh, and so, and so it's my, but it's, it's total bullshit, right? Because, you know, it, it, all you have to do is throw some bacon at me and I'm just like, all right, well, I guess there goes my diet. Yeah. I mean, it's not bullshit though. Cause it is all about just like cutting it out of everyone. If everyone did that, then there'd be less of a demand because people aren't doing that. People aren't cutting out dairy in the morning people drink milk in their cereal and have it in smoothies and stuff but if you just cut those little things out throughout the day I mean that's it's not a huge step but it's a step and I think that's actually really inspiring I should think about that it's I mean it's you know it's a way to kind of have both both of both worlds you know because one of the hardest things and I was talking to the girls from uh the women excuse me uh from uh eat figs not pigs and they're both vegans and, you know, very like, uh, you know, uh-huh. steadfast in their, in their choices, um, for ethical reasons, a yeah. bunch of different reasons. Um, where was yeah. I going with this? I, I, you know, I was talking to them about kind of isolation, you know, because sometimes I feel isolated if I'm like, no, I'm not going to eat meat right now. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I mean, whether it's your culture or whether it's your family or whatever it can be kind of isolating. So this is a way for me to kind of like, do a little bit of the quote unquote right thing, but also not be totally isolated. So, yeah, I think I've heard a lot of people say like, if you're trying to cut sugar out of your diet, it's a really bad idea to do it cold Turkey because then you crave it more. I think the same would probably be with meat or dairy. If you just completely cut it out after being so used to it and like using it as kind of, is honestly a coping mechanism to have like, um, what do you call it? like comfort foods and if you just completely cut it out and now you're just vegan all of a sudden like your your body is going to be like sad so don't make yourself sad at first just like wean yourself off a little bit right because if you want to make sustainable change you have to make change that you're like not going to reject reject psychologically or whatever yeah and it's important to keep you mentally healthy too exactly exactly well i'm glad we're on the same page i (laughs) you know i um you know i I'm fascinated by artists um, and I'm fascinated in part because, you know, I think all of us want to be creative for me. Like my creative outlet is writing and uh, you know, creating things. Um, But everyone, you know, I read this, there's this great book um, and it's a collection of artists. It's called, it's called uh, something like the artist habits. I don't know. Anyway, I'll find it and put it in the show notes, but it's basically a collection of artists and their process. So you see how they all uniquely get into the mindset and actually create art on a daily basis. Um, and it always fascinates me to talk with artists about their process. And I want to start by talking about uh, when you started creating art and what that looked like and how your style has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, I've always, I've been that kid that says like, oh, I've always wanted to be an artist because I was literally an artist in, on career day in kindergarten. Like I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I didn't know how hard it would be. I didn't know that it was seen as not really like a typical career. Uh, But I just knew like from the womb, basically that I was going to do something creative and I love to draw but I started taking things a little like more seriously once I got into high school and I started doing art hop. Um, that was back when I was 14, I think. Um, and I would go set up on like the street corner or at Frank's place and sell my art for extremely cheap, like a dollar for a like drawing I did. And but my art back then was very emo and very different from how it is now. It was a reflection on how angsty I was back then and also a lot of body dysmorphia issues and things like that. So things were dark, but not that dark. It was kind of like Pinterest dark. 
So like things were cute with flowers, but then there'd be like a skeleton girl. And it was <laughs> very yeah. where I was at at the time. And it was a great start because people were into it enough to buy my $1 paintings. And I'm sure some people out there have my old prints. Um, but so yeah, that was kind of my start, I'd say, is when I started high school. And I had a lot of like um, support from my parents to go out and they would actually stay with me um, sometimes at Art Hop. And it was just like a really good jumping point so young. I don't see a, a ton of super young kiddos out there at Art Hop, but I just was like, I want to do this. I want to try to sell this stuff because I knew that's what I was eventually going to want to do is sell art. So I had to start somewhere. That's so interesting that you were entrepreneurship or, or entre like entrepreneurial at like a young age as an artist, yeah. like it wasn't just like you already saw that like, this is, I have to value myself and my art at mm -hmm. such a young age, because I think a lot for a lot of kids that are into art that it's just kind of like this introspective thing. Mm -hmm. And so what clicked in your brain that was like, I gotta, I gotta sell this. I gotta, people have to know who I am. I think I just had so many very, supportive role model adults in my life that were in the art community. My mom is a professional ballroom dancer. So she was always at events and things where other like kind of eclectic artsy people were at and they would see my art on my parents' Facebook or on my Facebook and stuff and would be like, you should sell this. I will buy a commission from you. And I just was like, sure. I mean, I could use some cash at the ripe age of 14 to buy some Starbucks. Like I just started because I was getting asked and I didn't really have, I don't think I had like a lot of focus on like being an entrepreneur at all. It just kept kind of coming to me, which was really lucky. But um, yeah, I think I just had so much support and push from other people to, to start selling instead of just keeping it to myself. I didn't really want to keep it to myself. I really liked clout and I liked the idea of like being popular on Instagram and social media for my art not really for my face or my cool modeling skills or anything I just was like my art's pretty good like I want to I guess I was like really into like the idea of like getting a following yeah so when did your art make a transition from skeletons and flowers <laughs> to what it is today <laughs> as I matured I mean it was the skeletons and like emo stuff for a bit and then I feel like once I hit senior year and I realized like I want to do I want to go to art school I needed to start taking things seriously and I was going to portfolio review fairs which are a big deal at art colleges and stuff like uh, professors from art schools around the country would come and critique basically your portfolio and if you just have a bunch of like pencil drawings of like kind of emo stuff it's just not like the caliber they're looking for and it, whether or not that's fair or not that's just how that things are kind of prissy over there and you have to like match the style they're looking for so once I realized that wasn't going to make it like that wasn't going to cut it I was like okay I start need to learn how to oil paint I need to learn how to like do anatomy correctly I need to do studies like um figure drawing and all those important classical things. So that's when I kind of made the switch is when I started taking things more traditional and trying to learn the techniques more than just like the illustration storytelling of like what my art was before I really knew any techniques. Right. And I, I've got a, a couple follow-ups to that. Like it's, it's interesting. I'm seeing a pattern with you where, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're such an outward facing artist in that you're, you're responding to like outsiders, like this is, you know, sell your art, you know, yeah. you, and can you, can you talk a little bit about these, what is it? Portfolio review. I didn't know about this world. So what it, is it like a, is it like a airplane hanger where there's guys sitting around and you go, you bring your portfolio to different tables or what, what is, what is it exactly? It is bizarre and it's super weird because I feel like a lot of people don't know about this. I don't even know how I came across it because my school, I grew up in Clovis they weren't big on art at all. It's like all about um, sports mm -hmm. and STEM. And yeah. I was like, um, I don't even know where I came. I think I just did so much research on my own online. And I was like, I want to go to art college. And so I just stumbled apart upon like a couple schools I wanted to go to. They were having like 
hey, high schoolers, you should come get your art reviewed and see like, it's like a college fair, but specifically for fine art schools. And that sounded cool. And my dad was big, big, big time on college. And he was like, you're going to college, don't care where it's going to happen. And I was like, dad, will you take me to San Francisco for this fair? And he, from a so- when I was a sophomore in high school till senior year, would take me like twice a year to these random fairs. And one was in LA, one was in Pasadena, one was in, a couple were in San Francisco. And you basically have a bag full of all the drawings that you want to show professionals go to each table like a college fair there's representatives at each table and usually it's students or professors and they go you stand in a freaking super long line you have to decide which schools you actually want to see that day because some of the lines would be hours long and you would stand and then get up there your little sophomore self be super vulnerable and take out your all your paintings and drawings and then they would just either patronize you or give you actual feedback. And most of the time I got actual feedback and it was very painful, but I'm a super, super self-motivated person, but I'm also all about like pleasing people. Um, I was like, I took that bad criticism, like insults basically. And I was like, I'm going to make this better then because I don't want to get critiques like that again so I would be like okay they told me that my skin tones are really really peach I'm gonna start adding green to my skin tones to make it more natural like I would have never thought of that if I hadn't been like basically insulted to my face like oh your skin tones are awful um so it's basically you're standing in these lines with a bunch of other people who are driven which I wasn't used to with artists in my town and it was really cool because I'd have these conversations with other high schoolers that were trying to get into art school and we got insulted and we were like, Oh yeah, today was a long day. And it was just like a very interesting experience, but so underground, weird, other world, not anything that I've heard about from other types of like majors. Yeah. That doesn't sound like anything. I mean, you, I mean, the closest thing to that would be like, um, you know, like a scout coming to a sporting event to watch an athlete play or something. But in that situation, they're sitting afar and taking notes maybe, but you know, you're having someone critique you to your face. That's, that's, I have, that's, that's amazing that that exists and that you have to wait hours to talk to one person. That's, that's totally fascinating. Let's talk about mediums and materials. Um, so, you talked about making the transition to uh, different kinds of art and beyond just pencil drawing. Um, and so one of the things that was on your Instagram account was that you use gouache and I have no idea what that is. And it sounds like, and it said, I looked it up as something similar to watercolors, but that just told me nothing. So talk about some of the mediums that you use and definitely explain what gouache is. Yeah. Um, gouache is a watercolor type of paint. It can be reactivated with water like watercolor can. So if you pour out a tube of watercolor, you can always reactivate it with water. If you do that with oil or acrylic, it'll dry up eventually. And then you have that wasted paint. A huge reason why I use watercolor is because I can pour it out and not waste any. And it feels like I can use one tiny tube of watercolor for like a year or maybe years. It's great. Um, so gouache works the same way. The difference is, is that it has a chalky opaque look while watercolor has a uh, translucent, you can see the white behind the paint. So like the reason watercolors look the way they do is because the white is basically making the color vibrant because you can, it, you have to layer a lot of watercolor on top of itself to make it opaque while gouache, the minute you um, paint with it, it's like an opaque streak. So if I have like pencil already on the paper, you can see it through watercolor, but you can't see it through gouache. And gouache is made of the same things as watercolor, just has a couple different ingredients to make it um, opaque. And the look is very like chalky and pastel, and it works for certain things. Like if you want something to look like a posterized, 
like illustration, it's great. But if you want something more like ethereal, I usually use watercolor, but they're pretty interchangeable. Do you just uh, pick your, I mean, are there certain like materials that you're really into or do you just pick it based on like, like how do you pick like what you're going to use for your art? Is it just in the moment you're like, I feel like doing some watercolor or like, how do you, how do you choose your mediums? Um, it depends on what my goal is with the piece and also what mood I'm in. Cause sometimes I'm like, I haven't used gouache in a long time. I want to do that. And I, I get pretty influenced by the other art I see online. Like I'm like, Oh wow, that looks great. I should do gouache again. Cause I've like left it alone for a long time. Like, honestly, I haven't done gouache in quite a bit. And I'm like kind of missing it. So it's really random, but it's not that much of a difference between watercolor. So I don't think when I do commissions, my clients usually don't like notice or care because it's like so similar, but it's really just whatever mood I'm in. Okay. Got it. So you talked a little while ago about being in Clovis and being at schools that didn't really emphasize art. Um, so let's, let's play an imaginary game. Um, let's okay. say you are now, uh, the art director for Clovis Unified or Fresno Unified, and they're tasking you with creating an environment to uh, foster more students uh, pursuing art. Uh, what what kinds of things are, are there? Were there teachers that did certain things, or were there things that you? Is it different classes that need to be offered? Is it uh, making art more a fixed feature in schools? Because I know that fine arts are one of those like areas within schools that are always on the chopping block, you know? So you want to share a little bit about what, what worked for you in school and like what, what you would propose to add to schools to make art more of a fixture? That's a fun question. I haven't thought about that. Um, I, first of all, I had great high school art teachers. The one that I started off with, let me switch to art two instead of doing art one, which was like a huge plus because I'm like, I don't want to, do the basics I don't like doing perspective and he was like well if you can prove to me that you can do it then you'll skip to art too and he let me like prove in it he was just like so supportive and then he retired the next year and I was really scared because I was like oh man I love this guy and then we got a new professor and he had a totally different vibe he actually introduced me to liberalism <laughs> to be <laughs> honest and he was great he was such a great teacher he taught me how to paint with oils which i will never do again but it was great to learn and it's a hard thing to teach and learn and it was just a really great experience i got lucky because i came from like that school going to clovis unified is like they have more money for those things like i don't think a lot of schools would offer oil painting in high school so that was like a very privileged experience and um I just had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with my high school professor, uh, not professors, teacher, um, and the class was great. So I had a very unusual experience, I think, even though we also always had problems with like, oh, the school isn't funding canvases this time, you guys have to go buy your own. Things like that were irritating, but it wasn't like, uh, we had a pretty good program, to be honest, and we had a lot of opportunities to show art not at Art Hop. I don't know why we ignored like Fresno so much, but like we would do Clovis, Old Town Clovis shows and um, competitions. There were lots of competition constantly. I never won a single competition, by the way, which was really irritating to me because I'm super competitive, but I always would like, I'm like, oh, I'll turn that in. And I just would never win because I didn't do oils. I would always turn in watercolor projects and they just don't win um yeah. as much and so anyway but yeah so I had a pretty good experience overall with the art program it definitely gets a lot less attention um if you win an art contest you usually don't get your name on the announcements like uh football teams do or anything but it, it was pretty it was it was pretty good it was definitely a good starting point for applying to college and stuff I had a lot of support with um, my teacher for applying to art school and stuff but as far as like things that could improve, I don't know how much has changed since I've been in high school, but like, I think the fact that like we have so many walls, like in schools, like outside walls, there's like tons of buildings. We could cover those in paintings and teach kids, like students, how to paint murals because it's a huge money maker for artists. 
it's really difficult to learn on your own. You have to ask a ton of questions. You have to have tons of trial and error. I had no experience painting murals until a year after high school and like the mistakes I could have avoided if someone had just taught me like what type of paint to use, like, and like how to go about climbing a huge ladder. I know it's probably a liability, but I'm sure there's a way to like make kids like use the surfaces around school and that could last years. I mean, there's tons of water around the schools and like Fresno city college does this. They have tons of murals around the school. Like why not high school students? It would be a great like way to get kids active because it is a workout. Okay. Don't make me do PE. Make me go up and down a freaking ladder and do squats, painting a um, mural. I think that would be a great thing to implement in every single school. I know right now we're all on zoom, but I mean, even now, I mean, to get kids out there, I mean, we could have like small groups and have it social distance and murals are just such a great way to like inspire kids and inspire just humankind and also spread like their justice efforts. And it's just a really unused surface. It's a canvas that we're not using, which I don't get. And it's super boring. Like when you're walking and it feels like a prison, like no one wants to be at school. Yeah. Kids might take selfies in front of murals. Maybe they enjoy school more. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, I mean, what you're talking about is like making it more public um, and creating opportunities to like make your art permanent, right? Right. Um, and, you know, I think, I, th I mean, I could imagine responses to like, well, you know, blah. but it's like, we do so much to support all these other, you know, sports and different things, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think it's unfortunately part of just the priorities of our culture right. uh, that, that highlights sports and, and not artists and things. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the, cause you brought it up the pandemic, how, how has the pandemic kind of affected you as an artist? And, you know, cause you've, I, I imagine, you know, been yeah. home a lot um, yes. with yourself. Um, so how is how is is it uh, affected your style at all? Has it affected what you emphasize in your art? Um, has it allowed you to flourish because you've had this uh, a lot of alone time? Um, yes, it has allowed me to flourish a lot, and I've learned. I feel like a lot of just my personal life has changed just in the past few months because of this. And one huge bummer about all of this, I mean, everything's a bummer, but um, we opened, me and my studio mate, um, Annie Fugere, we're both artists in town. We opened a studio in um, like, in between downtown and tower district area. And our goal with it was to host art hops and have other artists show and like, kind of have just more control over like types of events we wanted to host and just like, have a workspace, but also host workshops and events and things. And the minute we opened and had our grand opening a few weeks later, um, shelter in place was issued. And that was like, I was really worried about the future of our space because of that, because it really was meant for events more than a workspace. But it ended up being great for me because after a few months, I mean, we share the space with um, a couple accounting firms and there's people in and out, especially during tax season, um, like especially old people. And I didn't want to be in there because I didn't want to like potentially spread anything to anyone, any of the clients they were seeing. But as tax season has calmed down and like, I have made some, I've made a move. I had to move from Clovis to, um, Fresno I have this like workspace that hasn't had to move and it's great because I can do I can do work-life balance a little better now because I know a lot of us have had to meld our work and life at home and it's very difficult and it's not super good for our mental health in my opinion I know because my boyfriend's been having to work from home and it's just like hard to separate and I honestly will be up until like unspeakable hours of the night responding to clients and responding to Etsy messages and stuff but now that I'm like, okay, my studio is the nine to five workspace. Home is not for that. It's been very good for my mental health. And I feel like the mental health adjustment plus like what's been, there's a lot of like crazy shit going on right now. My art definitely has a more of a voice of like, I'm trying to be positive, but also 
I make sure on my social media presence that I'm not just being blind to like the injustices and crazy shit that's going on too. And I feel like my art is trying to be like a beacon of light. And then my voice as an artist away from like the specific like flower art I paint, like it is serious, but like hopeful. And I don't think that's how I was necessarily before the pandemic. So I think a lot has evolved since the pandemic started. Yeah. I mean, our, our culture is definitely, you know, we've had a lot of time to reflect. We've been on, we've basically been monks and sitting around reflecting on different things. And, you know, I, I know that for me, it's, it's engaged me more and like, how do I use my time and what am I reading and et cetera, et cetera. Well, you brought it up a few different ways, and this is probably where we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking because I'm so curious about uh, kind of the economics of art and like how how people make a living these days with art and do art professionally. Um, so if you talk a little bit about how you think, um, well, just what you see in Fresno in terms of uh, how artists make a living and then talk a little bit about uh, like Etsy and social media and those different things and how it like makes business for you or how it like, and I, I know I'm piling on the questions, but I'm, I'm honestly curious just about like, you know, cause a lot of people expect things for free these days, you know, and like how you see that as an artist, you know, like the, Oh, you can't just make something for me. Like for what, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you get that a lot, you know, where you, and it's true for a lot of professions where people, you know, you, they know you do something and they're a friend so that, you you know, they want you to make something for them as a friend. And you're like, wait a second, this is my job. So if you just start with kind of Fresno and artists and then the Etsy world, that would be a good way to start. Yeah. Um, so I think I've always thought this. Fresno is the best place to be to be an artist. We have such a great, diverse community. And like, there's people doing the Etsy thing, but then there's people doing like street art. And then there's people doing murals and people are doing like music and there's just so much going on and like there's so many opportunities if you just get out of your shell I am not into I've been enjoying quarantine because I like to be home all the time I'm super homebody don't like to network but you got to do it and it's super great in Fresno to do it because there's so many opportunities and it's like it's untapped like people in LA like often come here for cheaper living but there's also like a lot of opportunities here that I feel like are similar to places like LA and San Francisco um we just we take Fresno for granted and everyone shits on Fresno but it's not fair because Fresno is great and has a lot of perks to being an artist and especially if you are in a smaller town I mean Fresno's not that small but you can stand out a lot more if you're in Fresno or in any small town, if you're in Hanford, or if you market yourself and get yourself out there and go out of your comfort zone, which you have to do to make it work, it is kind of awesome because then people go to you specifically. If you're the only person in Dinuba who does animation, and then there's this guy who's like, oh, I need an animation for my business. Like a lot of people need things like that. And if your proximity is convenient then people are going to choose you and if your work measures up to what they want they're going to choose you so like you just have to do with what you got and like I'm in Fresno I was in the Bay Area for my first year of college and I came back here because of this exact reason like I could not stand out in that town or afford that town long enough to make myself stand out and um Fresno is great for just so many reasons art wise and then your next question was about online Etsy. stuff, you know, cause, cause I mean the, the online art world seems like it's so enormous and so complicated and Etsy is like, I love Etsy. Etsy is such a yeah. cool concept, but I'm curious from like the artist, I know from the consumer perspective, mm-hmm. but I'm curious from the artist perspective, what it's well, like. I'm glad to, to hear art. that consumers like Etsy because that's all that matters really. Um, right. Etsy has a lot of issues. It's been the most, uh, whirlwind of a platform especially during covid um but i use it because customers seem to feel comfortable with it and it's i like to shop on etsy too i mean it's just kind of hard from a shop owner's perspective sometimes but it really is the thing that has worked 
the most consistently for me. And I would recommend it to people starting out. I'm kind of trying to move from, I'm trying to have Etsy and my website both have shops because Etsy has issues. That's a whole other podcast, whole other topic, but it is a good starting point for sure. Um, Maybe just summarize one or two of the issues that Etsy has, because I'm I'm just curious. um, So, I mean, this was a total fluke, but it happened during quarantine. Um, There was some sort of issue in the code for a day where a bunch of people were buying shipping labels. You can buy shipping labels from Etsy, which is a huge perk, hugely convenient, fabulous. I love it. But they were charging, if someone bought a dollar fifty worth of um, shipping labels, it would be a hundred and fifty charged to them. Whoa. Account. It would labels, which is absolutely an insane issue. Um, makes no sense to me. It was horrifying. It didn't happen to me because I just happened to not be printing that day. They could have, but I know a ton of local people that happened to, and like they got their money. Actually, that be your quarantine. You're like, well, my credit card's maxed out. Don't know when that's going to get fixed. It's just insane. And I was like, that is just like not acceptable to me. And it's not the first time that's happened, but it hasn't happened in a really long time. So that sketched me out a lot. But it's not a good example of like, it's not consistently like that. But the fact that it happened makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And just other things like um, Etsy, the way they organize who's products show up first like is really bizarre to me because they put a lot of low quality work at the top when you type in like if you type in animal stickers it's like kind of crappy photographs crappy like products and I'm like you should be highlighting the best looking stuff first not that that's necessarily my stuff some of my stuff comes up on the first page but it's like not consistent and I'm like this this is a bad interface for customers because I personally don't like it I have to, I kind of like surfing through each page to see, oh, there's finally a gym, but it's like almost like thrift shopping instead of it being like a higher quality interface. And that's like nitpicky of me. Also yeah. super subjective of me. Oh, here comes the train. That's um, fine. Well, I wonder, yeah. I mean, cause there's, I wonder if like a more effective rating system or like, or, or but it, then it's like, it's hard to know, right? Cause it yeah. is, it is such a subjective. Now in terms of social media, how is that? You know, because I mean, you know, Instagram is such a dominant force with this stuff. Like, how has that affected your work as an artist? So the way art has been sold in the past until probably like the 2000s has always been through galleries and through um, like word of mouth. And it's all super local unless you become a thriving hit. But then usually you're dead by that point. These days, now that we're on social media at our fingertips, we can at any point buy art and we can see other people who relate to us more like, oh, there's someone in Ohio that like I super relate to, but you wouldn't have ever known about that person before. And I think social media is super social. And if you like the way a person is like personable and like you relate to them, in ways like maybe religiously spiritually or politically whatever like you may buy that art more likely because you know them personally i don't think you meet artists all the time when you're like at a gallery because they're not there there's someone like selling it for you and you you base it purely on either if you want to have clout for it being super expensive which a lot of people do and or if you like it aesthetically, but you don't know that person at all. And I think it's so cool that we have social media because I can be totally myself and I am, I'm like unapologetically really outspoken and like uh, I overshare a lot. I know I do, but I do it because that's just me. And I like people to know that part of me because when they buy my art, they're like, oh, this girl also supports whatever, you know? And like, I think that's really cool. That's typically how I choose to buy art if unless it's just so aesthetically like I'm like oh I gotta have it but like I get almost like into friendships with other artists online I'm like oh man like I have like this connection to this person now and I want to support them so social media has changed everything and it's like the best time to be a freelancer or illustrator artist on the other hand it also creates this problem where people like Van Gogh 
these famous old guys got to take years and years on one painting. But these days we have to paint every single day and post something every day, which is crazy, but we're doing it. And it's not necessarily the healthiest, but it's just how it is. And I think I'm rolling with it. I'm personally like very self-motivated and I don't have a problem trying to like create content all the time. Sometimes I do, but it's not like that. It's not that uh, draining on me because I love to just constantly be working and going. I'm a bit of a workaholic in that way, but I know it's like very draining to people with, who have different personality types and it's um, not super sustainable. Uh, so there's that issue that comes with it as well. But overall, I think it's the best time to be an entrepreneurial artist because you can sell basically anything these days to anyone. I, I want to end with two different questions. Um, sure. One of them is, well, well I, I have this bad habit of asking multiple questions. We'll just start with one. So the okay. first one is, um, let's, let's just imagine that you could um, send a message to your 14 or 15 year old self, young budding artist. And this would be kind of a message to maybe kids today that are artists that are maybe feeling a little bit dispirited or something, or just uncertain of the direction. So what advice would you give to your 14 or 15 year old self slash, you know, the, the kind of artist that maybe is going to a school that, you know, all the football players are known, but they kind of sit <laughs> in the corner and work on their sketch pad. You know what I mean? Like, what would you say to those kids or yourself? I would say to myself back then, I had such a desire to leave Fresno. I was like, not in the moment at all. I just wanted to leave so bad. And I know a lot of other Fresnans feel the same way. Um, but I would have told myself like, be where you're at and enjoy this moment because I ended up coming back and like thriving here. And people are so judgmental of this town. And I even was, I just wanted to leave so bad, but it's not there. It's not much better in the like more fancy towns. Like I just wish I had told myself like, you don't need to go to a fancy art school. It's very expensive. It's not what it offers. Doesn't, match the price and it's not necessarily for everyone to go to college and I think I was one of those people that probably didn't need to go to college I am still getting my degree at Fresno State but um I would I would tell young people like before you base your entire high school career on which college you're trying to get into which can be extremely stressful especially I can't even imagine in these times seniors right now like what do you do and my sister just got into UCLA and she's starting school this week and it's like this is not what she envisioned for UCLA you know it's just crazy and I think especially now I know you're a teacher so I don't want to insult you but I think uh college is not necessarily the most important thing as like maybe our parents have told us in the past or like schools have forced us like I was never a big student and I was really bad at like I did the AP classes but I was always like barely skating by not everyone's built for it it's good to get your education but it's not necessary to become a thriving artist I probably yeah. would have gotten my degree in business to be honest that's interesting just that huh so like if you want to develop though like as an artist like what other ways you know, because you need, is it just that you get, you create something and you put it out in the world and you get feedback and that's like, but like, how, how do you, how do you grow as an artist then? Like without, without that like art school experience? Mm -hmm. There are so many ways these days on the internet to learn. There are just so many free services, so many paid for services that you can receive on your computer and not that we don't need human connection. I mean, that's a huge part of school is meeting people. But these days, I mean, especially this COVID situation, you can meet in smaller groups. You can, um, like, I have a group called the Fresno Artists Coalition. I, Me and a couple other friends are, like, the basically the hosts of it. But we have just random artists from the community when it's not COVID times come and we all just make art together and bounce ideas off each other. That's like a huge part of school. That's just an, another way to do that, but there's free ways to do that. And there's less expensive, less draining ways to get that same thing that you need to develop. Also like there's just so many online learning platforms these days that are so inexpensive and are taught by real professors taught by like, artists 
in the field. I've, I've just noticed personally, this is a little controversial, but I haven't had a lot of professors or teachers in my life that have accomplished both being an entrepreneur and an artist. Usually they're really great artists, great teachers, but the entrepreneurship part is really missing. And going back to that question you asked me earlier, if I could implement more things into like the public school system is like offer an entrepreneurship class for creatives. I know that's probably never going to happen. So that's why we have online platforms to teach that. But um, it would be so who of everyone to just take that course because there's so much to learn specifically about being a creative entrepreneur and there are people teaching it. I just think it should be offered in schools as well. I haven't even learned one class. I haven't taken a class like that in college, which is crazy. What am I doing in college if I'm just like checking a box and I'm not learning how to go out into the world and do this thing? I have self-taught these things about entrepreneurship. I have gone out, asked mentors. I've gone out, networked. I've gone out on the internet and learned the I really, really want, I hate to shit on college because it is important to get an education, of course, but I want young people to know that what they're getting into, if they're looking for um, a business education for selling their art or becoming a famous artist or whatever your goals are with art, I would really recommend not going with an art major, going maybe with a business major. That's, that's interesting advice. And I, I didn't expect that, but it's, it's so good to hear. Cause I mean, you know, it's such a, there, there are so many people that, you know, go to a lot of college, walk out with a lot of student debt, and then that drives how they spend their time. Um, and especially in something like art where, you know, it, it can be thin margins sometimes where you're right. like, you know, the, the term starving artist has comes from somewhere. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think college right now, I think the pandemic has also made it like people like, you know, are really, because part of college is the experience, right? Being there physically in person. And another part of it is obviously the education you get. And so right now the, the experiential part is gone. And so now it's purely the knowledge delivery yep. and people are going, what the hell am I paying for? You know? Yeah. And, and, and so I think you're totally right. I think, but I think we need to have that thought in our brains when we're not in a pandemic, when we're just in normal True. times. True. Uh, and I have been feeling this way since, I mean, when I moved back and went through all the transfer BS and I'm like, okay, I'm finally at my last school. And then I've been receiving like honestly nothing. And um, I've had this opinion and I keep it to myself because not all the time, but I just don't want to insult anyone because I'm not trying to make fun of like, no, you're not, you're not, you're not insulting. You're just, you're just yeah. giving your opinion. I'm just being right? real. This yeah, is yeah, not yeah. a real experience. And I want to let other people who are in the same, ex same mindset know that it's not like for everyone. Yeah. And I, I, you know, being a teacher in the public school system, I see, I see the problems up close. Right. And just, some people yeah. put their blinders on to them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, things can't get better and you can't develop like, creative entrepreneurship classes without first addressing like the problems of education. Right. So I, I right. think, I think you're not insulting anyone. I think you're just speaking the truth that we all know deep down that mm -hmm. something needs to be fixed. So last question to wrap up today. Um, I want to talk about artists that are inspiring you um, and that people that, you know, you know, if you're, if you're looking to, you know, follow certain artists on Instagram or certain artists that are doing creative work, who are the artists right now that are inspiring you and, uh, where can we find their art? So my number one favorite modern illustrator is named Sean DeAnthus. Her URL on Instagram is Furry Little Peach, and she is a queen. She is so good at storytelling through social media, and it's so inspiring to me because I love that. I live for, like, I want connection, especially during this time, like, like and it's so great because she just like does these vlogs, does blogs, does emails. She just does every sort of outlet to like connect with people and get people excited about her art. I'm not even sure if I'm like super stoked on her actual art. Like I am. It's great. But it's like not that much greater than like the next illustrator, but just the way she connects with people 
online is great and inspiring to me. I wish I could do that. I just don't have the patience to do a video editing every single day, but I like, am really inspired by her work ethic. And I just, I really recommend everyone follow her. Like if you like art, if you like seeing the process, she's amazing at capturing the process. I'm trying to get better at like letting people in on the process. Like I want to, I want people to know what gouache is because of me. I want to tell people and I want to like show people how to use it and stuff. Um, so she is like a huge inspiration in that respect. Um, but my studio mate, Annie Fugere on Instagram, follow her. She's fantastic and so inspiring. I'm so glad we are sharing a studio together because like if I was alone, I'd be like so sad, but I get to see her art on the walls and her sculptures and stuff. I'm like, wow, so awesome. And if you follow Fresno Artist Coalition, our, um, this open group to any artist in town, like whether you do music, illustration, graphic design, whatever you do. Um, follow basically everyone who's following that page because everyone is from here and they're so cool. And we have meetings every other Tuesday on Zoom. If you want to do another Zoom meeting, you know, and um, <laughs> yes. everyone on that page is uh, pretty much local uh, around the Central Valley. And like, there's just so much talent and I'm so proud of Fresno. I just love your positive attitude about Fresno. It's such oh, a, you know, because I, oftentimes on this podcast, we can spend a lot of time with, you know, with people that are deeply involved with the problems of the city and oh, like yeah. addressing them. And so mm -hmm. we can often get mired in that and like neglect, you know, the, you know, the occasion, you know, the flowers that pop up amidst like the, the, you know, the dead grass or whatever. And so, I, I appreciate your positive attitude and uh, where can people uh, find, buy, support your art? Where can, where can they do it? it um, your Instagram, obviously, which is, what's the handle? It's Elowen makes art, Elowen period makes period art. And my website is artbyelowen.com. My Etsy's artbyelowen. Um, yeah. So those are the places you can check out and support. I have, stickers and prints and paintings all these different things awesome well thank you for talking to me today i really appreciate yeah, it thanks for having me thanks for listening if you'd like to support this podcast you can do that by either making a financial contribution on patreon which is patreon.com slash fresno's best or by giving us a rating and review until next time <laughs>